is producing it himself. This is the moment, so Deuteronomy is the moment, right before Israel is about to go and take possession of the land that God has promised them. And Moses' goal in writing this is he's really writing that they would transfer their knowledge of God and their love of God and the mighty works of God and what He's done for them. He wants them to transfer that from one generation to the next. Sounds a little bit like relay, doesn't it? This one generation had experienced all these amazing works and miracles and provision of God. And we're going to learn a little bit about what happened to that generation, why they didn't go into the promised land. But he's telling them to transfer it to this next generation, who God is. And he wants this next generation to love God and worship God and honor God. And he wants that generation to teach it to their kids so that they can teach it to their kids so that they can teach it to their kids. And it's really the vision of Relay that we would transfer the gospel from one generation to the next. So we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. We're going to read down through verse 14 tonight. And uh, this is Moses again speaking, and this is God's word to us tonight. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. It says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. And then the Lord spoke to you. Just imagine this. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. They heard the voice of God. There was only a voice, and He declared to you His covenant, which He commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And He wrote them on two tablets of stone, and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Guard your hearts. Remember the Lord and His work. Teach God's laws and acts to your children and your children's children. At this strategic moment in the history of Israel, Moses is thinking of future generations and instructing them in how to preserve their faith from one generation to the next. And if you're reading Deuteronomy 4 and you're like, Mr. Plue, I have no idea what you are talking about right now. Like, what is this mountain? And who's Moses? And where is this land? And why are they moving into it? I want to do a quick review for you. Just like a five-minute review of everything that's happened in the Bible up until this point. Okay, this is like the Spark Notes, Cliff Notes version of the four 
first four books of the Bible, so I may leave out a few things and I might talk a little fast, okay? So Genesis, Genesis 1, we have God creating everything into existence, creating man and woman for his glory in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve fall into sin. They are tempted by Satan. They disbelieve God. They don't believe his promise. They think God is holding something back on them. And sin enters into creation. And in Genesis, everything begins to go down from there. So you remember the story, how God regretted that he made man. He was sorrowful that they were so sinful because they weren't living in the image that he created them to be. And so he called Noah to build the ark. The flood came and destroyed everybody. He started over with Noah and his children. And then again, sin was still with them. So sin spread over the earth all over again a second time. And then in Genesis chapter 12, something very important happens. God calls this man Abram, who he's going to rename Abraham, and God makes this covenant with him, this promise, and he says, Abraham, you're you're becoming an old man, and Abraham didn't think he'd have any children with his wife Sarah, and he said, I'm going to give you all these descendants that are going to be as, as, as many as the stars in the sky. Look up at the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And I'm going to give your descendants this land, this promised land that's going to be rich and it's going to be a blessing and you're going to live there and you're going to thrive there because I have this special relationship with you and you're going to honor me and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to lead you to this land. And the rest of Genesis is all about Abraham's descendants. And from generation to generation, this promise continues. So Abraham has Isaac. Isaac receives the promise. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has these 12 sons who you remember they sold Joseph into slavery. This promise, even though all these sons are wicked and they're doing these bad things, this promise continues where God keeps saying, okay, I know you're not doing the right things, but I have a promise to you. I'm going to lead you into this land. And the end of Genesis, Joseph is sold into slavery. He goes into Egypt And it looks like the promise is going to die, but that's really God's sovereign plan. And through Joseph, his whole family ends up coming there. It ends up saving their lives during this drought and famine. And then through Joseph, they rise to prominence. They they multiply in Egypt because they have food and provision. And by the time we get to the book of Exodus, there's like millions of them. Millions of these descendants of Abraham, just like God promised. The problem is, in Egypt... They are so many of them that Pharaoh gets afraid of them and he enslaves them and forces them into this slave labor. And so we find in Exodus that the people of God, the descendants of Abraham who have this promise, are, begin crying out to God. They're enslaved and they remember their God and they remember this promise and they begin crying out to God to deliver them from slavery and God raises up this man Moses. And you've probably heard about Moses being in the basket in the Nile and being a son of Pharaoh. And, and Moses grows up and he, he runs away from Egypt and God calls him. And there's the burning bush where God speaks to him and tells him what he's going to do. And Moses eventually, when he's an older man, goes back into Egypt where he goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh says, absolutely, you can go. No, Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let you go. And then God sends these plagues on Pharaoh and he keeps sending these plagues on Pharaoh until Pharaoh lets God's people go. And as I thought about the story of Exodus, it reminded me of this meme I saw recently, which has nothing to do with this, but I just thought it was really funny. I was just like, I think this is a true meme. You know, like we have one plague and Pharaoh's like, come on, you're going to give up that easy. That, that's nothing, you know. Okay, back to Exodus, back to the story. So finally, God changes Pharaoh's heart. Just for a moment, he lets the people go and they're delivered out of slavery. God answers their prayers 
and they're heading to the promised land. There's millions of them. God has been faithful. Not only did they get out of slavery, but he gave them all this stuff that he promised them. So people who are letting them go are giving them things to survive in the wilderness. And then they begin this journey through the wilderness. Leviticus is a book all about how they are urged to obey God based on his assertion, I am Yahweh. I am the covenant God. So when we get to Leviticus, we get all these rules about being clean and honoring God and obeying God. When you get to Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible, you begin to see that these people are not obeying God. So God has done all these mighty works. I mean, brings them to Mount Sinai, we're going to talk about in a minute. He delivers them from slavery. He provides food for them. And they begin complaining and arguing. And they begin doubting God's goodness and care. And God says, you know what? That's it. You guys won't stop complaining. I'm turning this car around. We're going back to Egypt. I'm going to drive you around the wilderness for 40 years. And that's exactly what God does until they learn their lesson. And God says to that generation, you're not going to be allowed to enter this promised land because you didn't believe me and you complained and argued. And then... Basically, over 40 years, that generation is dying off, and now we have this next generation. And they're standing at the threshold to this promised land, and they're looking into it, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful, and it's glorious, and it's everything God promised them. And they're standing on the edge of it, ready to go in. And this is where we find ourselves in Deuteronomy. And Moses begins speaking to them, and he's telling them, Love the Lord your God. Obey His commands. Listen to Him. Don't forget who God is. Don't be like this previous generation that didn't obey God and complained about God's provision and didn't thank God and just argued the whole time. Don't be like that generation. And so from Deuteronomy 1 through 3, it's really just Moses recounting the history of these people. And you'll see things in those verses. I encourage you to go back and read those chapters but he'll say things like in Deuteronomy 1.32, Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. And he talks to them about how they complained about how good it was in Egypt. They totally forgot how bad it was. And they started saying, oh, we had fish in Egypt and it was great fish. And Moses is like, but you were enslaved. Like you have forgotten so quickly what God has done. And he recounts that history so that the next generation can learn from their mistakes. As parents, we often tell stories so that our kids won't make the same mistake. Uh, on Labor Day this week, we were playing, some of my kids were playing Airsoft. And they came up with this idea, like they were done with Airsoft. They're like, we need to play Airsoft more often, you know. And, and one of them said, you know what we need to do? We need to have like a Roman candle war and shoot Roman candles at each other. And I was like, that's a really bad idea. He's like, no, it's a really good idea. And I said, listen, buddy, I've done that before, okay? I did a Roman candle war and a bottle rocket war where you just shoot bottle rockets and Roman candles at each other, and it really hurts. And I burned myself, and I burned a hole in my shirt. And Grammy, my mom, was really upset with me, and she was like, why would you do something like that? And I was like, it's a good idea, you know, and I didn't know it was going to hurt. And I got done telling the story about Roman candles, and the kid who said, let's do a Roman candle war. After I told him the story, he said, why would you do that? Why would you do a Roman candle war? And I was like, that, that was your idea two minutes ago. You know, I was a moron just like you, and I'm teaching you so you won't make the same mistakes as I did. That's exactly what's happening here. Moses is saying, listen, this whole generation, they complain and they argued, and don't be like them. 
And so in our text, look back at verse 9. That's where we find ourselves. When Moses is saying to the next generation, listen, guard your heart. Keep your soul diligently. Unless you forget the things that you've seen and unless you depart, you know, your heart from the things that you've seen about God, hold on to these truths. Don't let them go. And Moses tells these stories to recount all the amazing things God has done for them. He wants this next generation to love God and see how mighty and glorious God is and to obey God's commands that it might go well with them. And so Deuteronomy, it's a great book to look at and learn how to pass our faith from one generation to the next. So the goal of Deuteronomy is to implant a sense of total loyalty to God in the next generation. He wants the next generation to have wholehearted devotion to God, which is my heart for Relay. He wants them to love God. And we're going to talk about Deuteronomy 6, which is one of the key texts of the Old Testament. Um, Either next month or the month after that, we're going to do the Ten Commandments one month, and we're going to do Deuteronomy 6 another month. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 is one of the key texts of the Old Testament. That's just not my opinion. That's kind of what Jesus said about it. So so we're going to go with Jesus' word that that's a key text. Um, So it's been 40 years, and, and Moses begins to recount in verse 10 how this generation encountered the Lord on Mount Sinai. How God spoke to them and met with them in the mighty works of God. And He wants them to remember. And the interesting thing about this is this is 40 years later. And so most of this generation that he's writing to either weren't alive when this happened or they were just little kids. And maybe their parents told them about this and told them stories about this. And he's urging them to not forget what God has done. And I think there's a word here for parents who are part of Relay, a call in verse 9 especially to not forget. To not forget what God has done for you. We are forgetful, aren't we? Our tendency, actually, I think the tendency of all sinful people is to forget the works of God. I mean, there's sometimes we will pray and ask God for something And it's like God answers our prayers and He does exactly what we ask and He delivers us and He fills our heart and He heals somebody and then something else comes along and we get anxious and we get worried. It's like we forget. God just answered our prayers. God has done these mighty, powerful things. We should trust Him with this. And it's amazing how quickly the people of Israel forget what God has done. And they begin wanting to go back. Let's not forget what God has done for us. And I want to just encourage the parents here tonight to not forget and, and let's, let's share testimonies with our kids of all the Lord has done for us over the years, saving us and growing us and convicting us and answering prayers for us and filling us with spiritual gifts. Let's not let our kids think that that's just natural that we have these gifts. Let's remind them, man, I wasn't anything like this. I always talk about how uh, in middle school and high school, I was terrified 
of speaking. I was terrified of anything in public. I, I got recruited in middle school to be a, like an MC for a talent show, just to introduce the talent show behind the curtain where nobody could see me. And we did a run-through practice. And the teachers, it was two teachers sitting there watching me in an empty auditorium. And I was like shaking so bad, they couldn't even hear me. And I just kind of handed the mic and I walked away. And I didn't come to school the next day because I was so ashamed and so scared. So my teacher afterwards was like, Michael, why did you not come to school? I was like, I, I was feeling pretty sick, you know, like my stomach wasn't feeling too good. And she totally called me out on it. She said, did you do it just so you wouldn't have to do the talent show? What? No, what are you talking about? You know, of course that's what I was doing. And so I tell my kids that story. I tell them testimonies of this is what the Lord has done. I remember getting saved and how miserable my sin was. And how lonely I was. And how it didn't deliver as advertised. And how, man, I tried these different things that the world was promising and it just didn't work. It was all a lie. I think we want to testify to God's grace and His works and answered prayers. And, and remember how bad sin is. And how bad sin was. And how good it is to know God and the grace of God. And so, for parents here, Deuteronomy means that there's a call on your life to impart to the next generation the mighty works of God that you've seen in your lifetime. In our text, the most important thing Moses doesn't want them to forget is this moment on Mount Sinai. And he, he's walking through that in verses uh, 11 and 12. You can look down at the text. He's reminding them. He's saying, man, you, you came and you stood at the mountain and it was on fire. I mean, the whole mountain was on fire and there was this smoke surrounding it. And you heard the voice of God coming out of this fire of this whole mountain. Like, don't forget the mighty works of God. Tell your children about that. Pass that on to them to, to fear God, to obey Him. That He is mighty and powerful and that He spoke to you and He gave you this covenant. I love that in verse uh, 13. Look down at verse 13 where he says, And he declared to you his covenant. Covenant is this word that is important for understanding your Bible. It's an agreement. It's, it's like an agreement in a, in a relationship. So I may, I may find um, one of you and I'll say, Hey, I want you to mow my yard and I'm going to pay you two whole dollars, you know, two whole dollars to mow my yard. That's some good money right there, you know. And so we have an agreement. You say yes, and so you mow the yard, and you get two dollars, right? I hold up my end. I, hold, I pay you two dollars. You hold up your end. You mow my yard. So God, this, he's reminding them that God made this covenant with them, which is awesome. God said to them, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to provide for you. Um, you're going to be my cherished people. You're going to be my people on this earth. And I'm going to give you this land. And I'm going to give you this, these promises. And you're going to be different than all the other nations of the earth. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to worship me. And to love me. And to honor me. And obey me. And I'm going to be so good to you. And you're going you're to worship me and give me praise and glory. Because I'm going to be your God. It's a great deal for the people of God. Right? I mean, God's doing all the work there for them. And their job is just to respond to God. And they fell away from that covenant. And he's reminding the next generation, God is still faithful. God will still do this. And just do your part. Honor Him. Worship Him. Obey Him. And so there's a call 
on teens here tonight as well. There's a call on parents to testify about the mighty works of God to the next generation, that they may be amazed by how good God is. And there's a call on teens in our text to receive this knowledge of God and to own it and to make it your own. So you can hear about God and you can hear your parents and your pastors and and other people testify about how good God is, but you have to own that. You have to believe that. And you have to grab a hold of that and say, man, I want to know this God. He sounds amazing. He sounds so faithful and I want to love Him and I want to grow to love Him. And you have to begin to interact with God and cry out to Him and commune with God and pray to Him and read His Word. You have to own this faith for yourself. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, And now, O Israel, listen. Listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. He's telling them, God promised this to you. It's right there. You're looking into it. It's beautiful. But you have to listen. And you have to listen to these statutes and listen to the rules that I'm teaching you. And you have to obey God. You have to follow God and be devoted to God. And He's going to bless you. You have to, to take ownership of your faith. Faith is not hereditary, okay? It's not something that's automatic since your parents have faith. It's not given to you through birth. I hate to tell you this, but what your parents gave you is they gave you sin. So you can thank them for that later. Thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. You know, you passed on your sin, didn't pass on your faith. They're going to tell you all about faith and how good God is and how He can deliver you from sin, but you have to repent and you have to place your faith in God. I thought about it a little bit like driving as an analogy for this. So probably you remember being little kids and your parents driving and you're pretending to drive. Maybe you're in the back seat and you're like watching the road and you're watching mom or dad and what they're doing and you're wondering like what does this wheel do and they're pressing things with their feet you know and maybe you get to go to Dollywood and drive the little cars that are on the track have you guys ever ridden on those I think I have a video of every single one of our kids driving the car for the first time and they really it's like Guys, they watch the videos now. It's like, did you not realize you were on a track? Because they're like driving and like, whoa, they feel so big. And it's like, no, you're on this track. You can't, you know, they're just grinding on the track the whole time. And I have a video of Knox I was watching driving. And he's like looking down here and he's like pushing buttons. And like he has no idea what he's doing. You know, it's just on a track. And then as you get older, your parents begin to instruct you. They say, listen, this is what it does. And Here's when you come to a yield sign, you know, like don't watch down the road while there's a car in front of you because you're going to think it's clear to go and you're going to think that car is going to go, but they're not going to go and then you're going to hit the gas and run right into them. And here's how you do a roundabout, you know, it's like the most confusing thing as you're learning to drive. Uh, sorry to say this about Zeke, but the first time Zeke was driving with this permit, we came to a roundabout and I'm looking to the left and I'm like, you, you can go. And he was just sitting there, and I was like, okay, we'll just wait for a minute. And I was like, you can go. And we just sat there, and I looked up at him, and I'm looking this way, and he's looking that way. And he's watching cars from this other way, and I'm like, buddy, you got to, like, the cars are coming 
they're coming around, you know, so you want to watch right here. And he had a great response. He was like, oh, that makes sense, you know, and he turned his head and he learned and now he's great at roundabouts, you know, he knows how to use them and, and you instruct them. And at some point, you know, your parents are, you're watching, you're learning, you're imitating, you're watching their faith, you're watching them come to church and worship the Lord and read their Bibles and you're watching them and then they're instructing you, here's how you do this and here's how you read your Bible and here's what it means to repent and trust in Christ and be a Christian. And then at some point, it's like you've got that driver's license and you've got the wheel and you've got responsibility. Wherever you turn that is where it's going to go and you have to take responsibility for the brake and the gas. You know, like as you're growing up in Relay, you have to make your faith your own. You have to believe the promises of God and these things you've heard about God. You've got to believe them and trust in God and cry out to Him and worship Him yourself and own your faith. And that's what Moses is trying to impart to the next generation. He's saying your parents, they, they saw this and they experienced this mountain and you didn't get to see it. But they heard God's voice and now we're going to tell you about it. So believe this God. He's going to be faithful to you and He's going to speak to you. And, and He's going to be so good to you if you will just follow Him and honor Him and obey Him. And He's going to give us the Ten Commandments. Ten words that God gave them. And if they follow those and are faithful to God, He's going to be faithful to them. He has a covenant with them. Which leads to really the, the final part of this text, and, and really what Deuteronomy is going to lead us to, which is obedience to God. Part of owning our faith is wanting to, to honor God with our lives. It's not just an Old Testament concept. We're going to find this a lot in Deuteronomy, but, but it's a New Testament principle as well, that when God saves us, there's a, a new desire we have to honor God, to fear God, to do what's right in the eyes of God. Look over, we'll finish with this tonight. Look over in chapter 4 in verses 34 through 40. Just listen to how he motivates them to obey God, okay? This is, it's grace motivated. It's based on what God has done for them. Verse 34 in chapter 4, it says, Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides Him. Out of heaven He lets you hear His voice that He might discipline you. And on earth He lets you see His great fire. And you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today, lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven Above and on the earth beneath, there is no other. Verse 40. Therefore. Okay, all that. It's like he's been mighty. He's done amazing things for you. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you 
and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. It's like, in light of all that God has done for you, man, worship Him, obey Him, honor Him, teach Him to your children, talk about it when you rise and when you sit and when you come and when you go, when you enter all the time. Let's worship and honor the Lord. And he keeps pointing them back to Mount Sinai and this great fire and God spoke to them. As Christians, the New Testament keeps, po- keeps pointing us back to another moment when Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again three days later. And you're going to hear the same kind of language in the New Testament. You're going to hear it in this series from 1 Peter. Man, this is what God has done for you. He entered into the flesh. He became a man. He did these miracles and walked on water and fed 4,000 and 5,000 and He healed lepers and He healed the blind. He did all these amazing things and it's like the Gospels in the New Testament keeps telling us over and over, this is Christ. He's amazing. Look what He did. And then He died for your sins that you might be forgiven. And He rose again. And through the same power of the resurrection, you can be born again. God is so amazing. He's so good. He's so mighty. He's worked throughout history and we've heard about it. And now we have to take ownership of that. We have to believe the promises of God that Christ died for our sins. And the way that we believe, the New Testament says is we repent of our sins. We turn away from them. We turn away from complaining and arguing and selfishness and lust and trusting all these things in worldliness. We turn away and repent of those and we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we take ownership of our faith. And when we do that, the Bible says we're born again to a living hope. We have new life in Christ and we want to obey Him. And when that happens... Listen, when you, when you turn from your sins and put your faith in Christ, when you take ownership of your faith and believe these things for yourself, like everything your parents have told you about, every message you've heard, everything you learned about in children's ministry growing up, it comes alive. And you start going, man, this is amazing. This is amazing grace that Christ would die for my sins. I'm so thankful. And, and your life is transformed. And your parents are like, this is everything we've prayed for you and desired for you just that you would know God and know Christ. And Deuteronomy, I think, is going to help us to walk through how do we do that? How do we transfer this and pass it on to the next generation? And I love it because that's the whole vision of Relay, and I'm excited about it. So what I want to do tonight is I want to have, uh, if you're new to Relay, what we usually do is, is at the end, we have discussion time as families. So we just spend about 10 minutes uh, talking about the sermon, talking about the text, talking about what's going on in our lives. Um, and then we'll come back and return to singing. If your parents aren't here, um, you can jump in with another family that brought you and you can participate in their conversation. We have several, several members of our admin team. Uh, Matt would love to talk to you. Bria would love to talk to you. Sam's in the back. So you can grab any one of them. Seth and Nyler here in the back. So you can grab any one of them if your parents aren't here. And they would love to talk to you. And here's what I want to do for the next 10 minutes. We have some discussion questions, uh, I believe. There we go. So I just thought applying this text that Moses is calling us to do, parents, you could take some time during discussion to recount God's mighty works in your life by sharing your testimony. Now, you may do this 
uh, every night with your kids, you know. I don't know. But I just think it's good to remind them, here's where I was. Here's what God did to save me from my sins. Parents, take some time to recount ways God has been faithful to you over the years. What are some answered prayers that you can share with your teens just to show them how good God has been to you over the years? And then finally, number three, if you get to this, I thought you could think through what are some practical ways you as a family can spend time each week recounting God's faithfulness to you as a family. Maybe at dinner time, maybe before bed. Let's spend time Sunday nights and just think through the week of ways God has answered our prayers and been faithful to us. So uh, all these are not meant to be like, you have to get to all these in 10 minutes. This is meant to kickstart conversations as families. So 10 minutes, talk about that as families. And then Matt, after that, is going to come up and lead us in a closing song. You can begin talking.